let's say when I first saw Passage Press, I went, oh, what's this? Wow, like the design's lovely. The book is just immaculate. Uh -huh. So you just, it just imbues it with um, value. And then, yeah, you've just, if well, you don't put I, the effort in, no one will ever watch it. That's right. I think um, anytime you're, you're approaching an audience, they are going to uh, give you their resources, whether that's attention, money, or whatever else, mm. based on their um, perception of how much of your own effort you've devoted to this product mm. that you're presenting to them. And, and every little bit counts. I mean, you're, what, what you're yeah. doing is demonstrating effort. You're demonstrating care, attention. You've yeah. thought through this thing. And I think that lends whatever... Uh, product you're offering up a certain amount of credibility mm. um, there's the sense that that what you're giving them is uh is deeply considered deeply thought out and so yeah i mm. think there's there's a lot of value in that i got to i know we're recording now so i have to uh apologize to uh the audience for for my for my voice here i smoked way too many cigarettes last night so yeah. I got this sort of gravelly, broken uh, <laughs> voice. It's working for you. This it's afternoon, I've been you. flying all day, so yeah, yeah, quite tired. This is yeah. a great. This is a great voice. I mean, I'm I'm happily married, yeah. but uh, if you ever want to like meet women, yeah, I highly <laughs> recommend being hungover, tired, yeah, yeah, and, and having smoked <laughs> too many cigarettes. There's a yeah. certain kind of uh, nonchalance that this laissez-faire, yeah, use uh, your yes. voice with, yeah, and you sort of you don't it's care true. about anything. You're aloof. Yes. You're tired. Yeah, it works. Women love this stuff. They they can't get enough of it. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's a yeah it's yeah like life the, uh, hack for all you young uh, young men there. Try getting hung over and smoking too many cigarettes, and you're more interested in the irony of life, right? So that lends itself That's to right. banter. That's, that's right. what attracts you. Like you, you can you can imagine Lomo's at the airport smoking cigarette back in the fifties, <laughs> right at the side that's of the right. bar, Don Draper style. Just that's uh, you know, right. he's Don't just woken up. He's taking anything. a flight. <laughs> yeah, some chick yeah. rolls up to you on your right side. Yeah, it's true. These things are all uh, sort of subconscious in a, in a way. But yeah, the sulky smooth, the silky smooth tones are working for you uh, today. Yeah, you it's, know the other thing too is. Um, those bit of nerves you might get when you're talking to a woman, when you're like hung yeah. over like this or tired or whatever, for whatever physiological reason, those nerves don't, don't arise in, in, uh, yeah. in your speech and in your, your yeah. you know, body language and hand gestures and everything else. At least in my case, I find it easier. So, so yeah. that's where I'm at. That's the mindset I'm in right now, joining this conversation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think that's perfect for what we're talking about because there is something about Passage Press, I think, that has captured the transgressive but cool. Because you can see this in um, uh, Delicious Tacos, yeah. is, is, uh, the way you guys sort of cut, you just sponsored an event recently, the new right. Um, that was last with, night, yeah. So that's last what night, right? Is, uh, so you were out yeah, there for yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what, right. This is a consequence of of that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn, I I wish I was there, dude, because I used to live in LA. So I mean, I, yeah. I'm gonna fly next time you guys do something big. I'm gonna fly out for yeah, it, it so was I great. can actually uh, hang out with you, you chaps. That'd be great. Well, since we're right, on so the subject, I, I'm just gonna riff a little bit on this point. Go for because, it, dude. Um, Go for it. Yeah. So yeah, we had this we had this event. We had this great event, and you know. As, and, and this will this will open up all sorts of lanes of, for conversation. I'll let you take it wherever you want to go. But 
No, it's great. This is perfect. Go, one go. thing, one thing we uh, are kind of testing right now is how do we translate some of this online energy into real life? Where does it yes. go? Um, yes. And uh, this requires quite a bit of prudence, careful planning. You know, you don't want to uh, make the mistake of just okay. We're going to throw some big event, and anybody who sees this can come, and you mm. know, and and you end up inviting into this circle of people those who may be acting in bad faith or who want to undermine yeah. the project for whatever reason yeah. or you know just sort of glom on to this kind of heat energy that's being put off by this scene and then redirect it for their own agenda so it requires a bit of careful planning like who who are the people who we're going to allow into this space is a, is a question yes. we're asking ourselves and so last night uh, we we uh, co-hosted an event with the New Right guys. That's Matt Pegas and Dan Baltic. Mm. Our friend, uh, Disgrace Propagandist, helped pull it off. Yeah, great guy. organized guys. quite a bit of it. Uh, Peachy mm. Keenan, who's got a new book out from Regnery, uh, participated yeah. in it. Uh, Delicious Tacos and Curtis Yarvin mm. and myself. Mm. Um, and we, uh, we had a uh, friendly person who uh, was willing to... Um, supply a venue for us uh adrian beloved um Shout so we're very him. thankful for that and um and we were able to sort of run this thing in the way we wanted now what we didn't know was okay so we knew what our sort of role in this was that there was a question of uh, who's the audience who might show mm. up for this thing and then our mm. initial thought was that we might get you know a couple dozen people let's just get some people in a room and just see how that goes. Well, yeah. when I arrived at the event, there was like a line stretching down the street. Right. <laughs> Great. And uh, we go, okay, well, that's a good sign. This is already a yeah. win, you know? Yes. Um, and I get inside and it's standing room only. And um, wow. one striking thing about what, what happened. So a few hundred people showed up yeah. and, uh, you just look around this venue and it's, there's a sort of youthful energy to it. Mm. Um, you know, it's mm. like attractive young people yeah. uh, who are hungry for some kind of new blood in the cultural mm. space. And mm. I can't be sure, you know, that everybody there is sort of ideologically aligned in some way. And in fact, during a Q&A session, mm -hmm. uh, Matt Pegas, who was, who was uh, emceeing, posed this question to the panelists, like what binds the people in this room? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there were a few different answers to that, and I can get into that in a minute. But um, what I just want to harp on is like there, there is a, definitely a hunger for mm -hmm. something to come out of this space. And it's not from... You know, I've been in some like conservative ink style spaces and it's a little fussier and um, there's a certain way that, you know, people sort of uh, uh, comport themselves in, in the sort of way that they dress. And, you know, they're, they're, these spaces have their own set of uh, sort of constraints about what can be said and how things are said and how ideas are presented. And that's fine. You know, there's a role for that the kind of like think tank sort of conservative space that that has a role to play in all this. But what we haven't seen so far, what I haven't seen 
is a real sort of generative cultural space, uh, mm. a sort of cultural scene where there's, like I said, this yeah. kind of youthful yeah. energy, hungry for something that's a little more dynamic, that's yeah. less invested in the kind of monkey politics of, you know, yes. uh, electoral stuff that's going on. Um, and so that's what, that's what I think last night demonstrated that, mm. uh, that this is viable, that we can do yeah. this. And there's a big audience out there, even in a place like Los Angeles, that, as you know, mm. yeah. is in many ways yeah. hostile to what kinds of things we're doing. Because after all, L.A. in many ways is the seat of, you know, sort of mm. capital of the prevailing culture. Mm. Uh, so we're, we're really in a, like sort of on the enemy's home turf doing this there. And yet all these people came out um, yeah. and we're highly of what we're doing i think you know we brought some books to sell all the authors did curtis uh matthew pegas uh pg mm. and um and delicious tacos we sold out of all the books there was mm -hmm. you know probably three and a half hours people mingling uh so it was yeah, great. great yeah yeah it was a lot of fun well you mentioned mingling i think that's really important because it's not just a thing what's happening is not just a thing to sell content for a, a few people that are, uh, you know, have big accounts. Yeah. It's really yeah. about those people going there to also meet each other, to yeah. be a part of a scene and a community. And you mentioned generative, and I think that's so important is that it becomes less and less about the politics. It's part of it, sure, but it becomes more about this establishing of a, I don't know, a fire, a metaphysical essence, a hearth. Yeah. Without the hearth, the tip of the spear can't do anything without the hearth, can it? That's right. The hearth is the thing in the home. It generates yeah. all meaning before any will can even choose something in a world yeah. as a goal. So, and yeah. I think, sorry, you're about. Well, no, I, you know, I, I don't want to take the metaphor too far. Um, you know, you get in danger of kind of uh, uh, devolving into incoherence there. But, you, you know, you talk about the tip of the spear, you know, some kind of political agenda that uh, might be enacted at some point. Well, there's got to be some energy force that propels that spear yes. forward. Okay. The arm yes. that throws the spear and whatever's yes. at the tip of it um, needs velocity. It, it needs yeah. force so it can yeah. punch through whatever wall it's aimed at. Yeah. And that, that comes from something other than sort of uh, electoral politics. Yes. Electoral politics doesn't have that kind of kinetic energy that can propel mm. that thing forward. And so, I think it really does require um, something artistic, you know, the wellspring of, of artistic creation, you know, uh, passage by the way is where that name comes from is from Ernst Younger's um, forest passage. Right. And Ernst Younger in, in, in forest passage makes this case, you know, that uh, any transformative sort of political um, movement is going to require first poets, okay, and of course mm. poets for mm. younger is just shorthand for artists, and and what where artists are pulling from is something that precedes ideology. Yes, it's this, uh, you know, in my in my writing about this, and the in the you know occasions I've been interviewed about it or have written about this, I make the case that it's biological. And uh, this sometimes gets confused for um, 
some kind of like demographic biological notion, but, but I really don't mean it that way. I mean, there's something inherent to being man, to being human. Okay. That, um, or certain of us, I guess, um, where we're, uh, compelled to act through a kind of deeper, older spirit within us. Um, you know, again, I don't want to get too Mm. sort of fanciful with this, uh, metaphorical language, but I think, you know, people who have experienced this compulsion to create mm. art uh, mm. sort of know what I'm talking about. It doesn't start by trying to enact a political agenda. If that's your mm. starting place for creation, then uh, then it's going to fail. Um, yeah. the, the art is going to be uh, too didactic, too heavy handed. Mm. It's not mm. going to have the same sort of power um, of art that that comes out of some deeper and older and more sort of primordial space. So that's what we're trying to capture with this. Okay. Mm. Is the sort of energy that's latent and is not being expressed through the prevailing culture. And my feeling is if we are selective about the people we let into this space Mm. and begin from the premise that uh, our art ought to be uh, a manifestation of some sort of deeper spiritual impulse than mere ideology. The ideology yes. will come along for the ride. The politics are going to come along for the ride. Yes. Uh, once we begin with this more sort of uh, substantial creative act. Well, it's a, it's the truth of being is what mm-hmm. true art is, right? So yeah. it's the truth of the essence of, say, the being with in existential talk, right? And tied together in talk of the kin, let's say it. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's say, rather. So that power, I mean, I don't take it as necessarily 100% biological, but that's uh, just a side note sure. anyway. Um, but people, just to bring it down to ground, because you mentioned being uh, up there with the metaphors or whatnot, yeah. like everyone who's the audience of this show will get it anyway, but I might as well say the people at home, you've experienced these moments where you had a moment of vision. Most people have, right? Where there's, there's something here, I've, I feel refreshed or I have a certain energy and it has nothing to do with drinking a coffee or taking mm-hmm. speed or whatever that is. It's just you have a revelation mm-hmm. of something in your life. It could be something that you thought and had a, a misunderstanding about and it just gave you an energy yeah. to move forward. And that's metaphysical. That's existential, right? These truths are real. And so I think everyone can look into their memory and find a moment like that to understand what Lomas is talking about here. That's what true art does. It discloses something that was already authentically there. You just couldn't see or you didn't have the propositional propositional understanding to see. Uh, yeah. And it uh, all the perspectival knowledge, but it's deeply there nested. And it's unlocking it, right? And we know this is true from cognitive science with yep. the perspectival knowledge, procedural knowledge, participatory knowledge, uh, and the other one, which is uh, propositional, which we're all stuck in. So it's all backed up there, what he's saying. It's all true. Um, but the other point and, you mentioned was... sorry. Well, I just want to add one thing. It, not only is it something you're touching on that is true, and, and I put that word in scare quotes, uh, but it's true now, mm. and it's as true now as it was true a thousand years ago, and it's a truth that will still be true a thousand years from now. It's a yeah. kind of... Uh, decontextualized, dehistoricized kind of truth that I think mm. uh, is being captured in those moments. So I just wanted to add I no, think that great. bit of color. 
Yeah, and I think what's so also important about this is that a lot of personalities forget that are big, you know, have big audiences, is that personalities don't understand that the audience isn't fueled by the audience like they are, mm -hmm. right? So I've got an audience, you can get energy from them. So they mm -hmm. think they don't need to do this art. They think they don't need to uh, spur community. Um, but when that decays, that audience decays, they won't have an audience for one, if it's all just politics all the time. But the audience deeply needs this stuff because they're not yeah. fueled by it. So uh, yeah, that's what I think people upstairs, uh, aristocrats of media, need to understand and i yeah. tell them all the time i tell paul watson he understands he's getting it i'm you know getting through to him on that part um other people with big audiences need to get and also to lift up artists to get so they have uh, a larger audience to uh, expose these things um and fuel the community and the audience and i see this there's a great need at the moment for people to be on the ground um to participate in something and i want that for them mm -hmm. What I'm doing is about that. It's really, you know, I think a lot of us, and maybe you can talk a bit about your own inciting incident, what impelled you to get into publishing, finding sure. your destiny, the things that happened. But for me, it was about this. It was about trying to do a, a duty to help. Obviously, it's great to have an audience and you get an income from it. And I appreciate, of course, I greatly appreciate it, that. But really, it was for the people are trying to help the general, you know, general people to impel them with this force to unlock this more older, more ancient, <clears throat> impelling force mm -hmm. that gives great confidence and, you know, that faith. Because we look at our ancestors and see this, they had this energy and this conviction, this fanaticism that we've just completely lost because yes. of the machine. But yeah, tell us a bit about your... Yeah, got I mean... You, uh, impelled you into this. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too specific about my background, but, but suffice yeah. to say that... Uh, you know, I've spent the last 15 years of my life, 10 years of my life, let's say, um, in a in a particular kind of uh, cultural space that when I first entered it as a young man, I was very enthused about because um, at least in the sort of mythology of my youth, this was the kind of space that that could create new ideas and be that sort of generative intellectual mm. environment yeah. that I was seeking out. And um, in my time there, it became clearer and clearer to me. And, and as you know, the 2010 sort of rolled on, this situation became worse and worse, but that this space, which was true of all of these prevailing sort of cultural institutional spaces, mm. were devoid of any of the um, sort of material, sort of spiritual material necessary mm. for that generation. Mm. It was arid soil, okay? This was, it, it was just a wasteland. I mean, there was nothing there. It was, uh, you know, um, the, the sort of, what what the what you saw in these again? I'm I'm getting stuck in these metaphors for whatever reason, but um, no, it's completely understandable. It, was just, it, it was just the bones of these sort of older things. It was the artifacts mm. of this older uh, period that that um, might have been more generative, but no longer was was viable, and the culture yeah. was just dying out. I mean, nothing yeah. new the that was interesting was, was being allowed to. Uh, be created. Yep. I mean, there were all sorts of 
constraints about what you could say and who could yeah. say what. And we sort of all know the litany of complaints about woke culture. So I'm not going to sort of yeah, review don't... that here. But, you know, it, it's true that that was the case. And um, this kind of petty moralism had mm. taken over um, and was preventing artists, writers from being able to ply their trade. And mm. so, I, you know, and I had started to gravitate toward Twitter. And really on Twitter, I'd started to see, especially in like right wing dissident Twitter, mm. uh, there was this finally something interesting was going on. I mean, it was kind mm. of raw and like wild and it was going in all different directions, but there was life. You know, you got mm. this sense that yes. there was real Energy. like heat uh, mm. being created out of this sort of online ferment. And so that's, I, I was gravitating in that direction. And at some point in this, you know, I started to notice there were these writers operating in this space, zero HP Lovecraft, mm. obviously BAP, uh, mm. many others. But there was very little sort of uh, organization for any of this. And it, it was, again, they're, they're not that it needs to have like this consolidating feature, but mm. um, it was still unclear how if you were like a writer and you didn't already have an audience of tens of thousands of people, mm. how do you get yeah. your work to anybody? There, isn't, there wasn't like this ecosystem that could take like young mm. talent and bring it and, and sort of push it out to a larger audience. Mm. Um, and so anyway, I, uh, I read an interview with Michael Anton in which mm. he talked about the need for right-wing artistic patronage networks. And it really struck a chord with me because it was something I'd been thinking about. And I thought, what the hell? I'm going to put up some money. I'm going to put up $10,000 and offer money. Um, to mm. uh to sponsor this prize and people can send me art poetry fiction essays and i'll pick some winners and i'll hand out this money and we'll print a book and go from there well i mean this started out as like just a twitter th thread but pretty soon it kind of took on a life of its own uh mm. we doubled our prize money because suddenly some people started sending me money to add to the prize pool we got like over two thousand submissions I got some incredible judges to work with me on this. Uh, Curtis Yarvin, Zero HP Lovecraft, Benjamin Braddock, and uh, Gio Panicetti, who did the art judging. Yeah, great, Gio. Yeah, and then I found some great partners who could do a lot of the back-end stuff, like uh, help me put a book together, like guys mm. who had been in the publishing industry for a long time, who knew how to put really fine book editions together, and so, you know, just one thing led to another and I realized, okay, there's this big community of people who want this, who are interested in this kind of thing. Mm. And it spiraled out from there. And after we succeeded with the first book, I thought, why not? Let's see if we can build out from this and start to scale a little bit and add some new books. And I started with Unqualified Reservations, which is a reprint or a, a first printing of Curtis's blog. So it was previously all digital writing. And, um, and so it's growing from there. And then in mm. the last, oh, probably about four or five months, it's really now taken on kind of new life. We've uh, mm. been aggressively suiting, uh, uh, courting um, potential investors because we yeah, really right. think there's something here and we want some capital to try to scale this thing up, you know, and put together a real full scale publishing business. Mm. 
which we can use to kind of service this growing network of people and writers, audience, mm. um, thinkers, you know, and it includes podcasters. There's a, there's mm. a whole ecosystem that needs to be built out from this. Yes. And, and yeah. I don't think we should try to somehow infiltrate, you know, these established media arms and somehow take over little nodes here and there. I mean, if people want to try mm. that Godspeed, you know, I, I, yeah. Hope- Hope that might work for the state. That might be sure. useful for about talking about military. Yeah. That's probably necessary for our guys right. to get in the you know, but not for culture. No, and I don't think we so need much it, energy wants an outlet. We have jumping. we have platforms like this. We can go straight yeah. to our audience. And so rather than try to go over there, let's just take, mm. you know, this plot of land we have and and cultivate our own sort of ecosystem here. And expand outward. And what what I'm finding is that the people who there, there's first of all a lot of people wandering around in the wilderness who want to come over mm. to our little yeah. oasis in the desert. Yeah. And and the <laughs> yeah. other thing is, um, there are even people who are participating still in that legacy culture. I mean, mm. successful established writers, people working in film, people working in music but who are dissatisfied with that world for a variety of reasons and want something new. They're anxious to come over into our space. And so um, there's real growth potential here. Those people that do come over, I do feel like in a sense they we need, I don't know, maybe to incentivize them helping the people. Yes that were already here rather than just coming in. Oh, cool. I'm one of the cool guys now. Yes. Pay me money. You know, well, because that's exactly right. Yeah. So how, we, uh, that's the question is, how do we do that? to these people that come across, cause you mentioned earlier, sort of infiltrators who yep. are just seeing it as an opportunity. Yep. That's fine. If you actually convert. And then yep. there's the second thing is do your time. You got to do yep. your time a bit, right. And actually be a part of the cross promotional network, use whatever money and resources, prove that somehow that you're willing to put that on, on the line and help all these other people who are excellent because the competence is yeah. raising so fast. And like I just showed, you saw there that I just showed everyone the beautiful covers of the books on Passage Press, right? Competence is increasing very quickly. Yeah. So we don't need these old media people necessarily come in, but if they do want to come in, how do we, I don't know, make sure that they actually uh, lift it up rather than just exploit it? Absolutely. And this is something I've thought a lot about. Um, and actually I was... Uh, on disgraced propagandist has a podcast, the carousel. And we were discussing mm. this very question uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, look, I don't, I don't claim to have all the answers to these things. A lot of stuff that's happening here. We're just figuring out as we go. Yeah. And um, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to have to learn some tough lessons here and there and be willing and to adapt. And be flexible. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, no. So, but on, my, my, my hunch is, uh, for this particular question is to a not be naive about who you're dealing with. All right. Mm. Don't, if, if it's someone coming in from that other space, okay. Understand where they're coming from. Um, what they probably want out of this, which is, uh, they, they may want to just kind of, um, they're attracted to the heat here and they, they may have a kind of parasitical sort of relationship to what's going on. (laughs) So be aware of that. But if there's some transactional advantage to 
being in some kind of informal relationship with the person. You know, mm. I, I could imagine a situation where like a well-known artist, writer, for example, uh, wanted to be willing to be like a judge for Passage Prize. I'm not going to reflexively yeah. say no, okay? Um, mm. but, but, you know, there's a variety of variables that you vet and weigh. And you ask yourself, is from a purely pragmatic standpoint, does this make sense in this case? Um, mm. And how far can we trust this person? Well, that's something that gets proven over time. And so you and just start off with, you know, these little things here. And then you, you ask them for one additional step to take on your behalf. And yes. then a third step and a fourth. Yes. And so long as they are returning and, and sort of meeting their obligations towards obligations, the project funny. and the mm. people who created it, then you're tolerant. And the moment yeah, they yeah. demonstrate some betrayal or they, you know, the counter signaling. And this is the kind of thing you already see, you know, sometimes, oh, it's like yeah. a kind of quasi friendly account that's yeah. uh, sort of adjacent to this space and they just can't help themselves. They're bug men. Yeah. Okay. They can't help themselves so sooner <laughs> or later. They're going to counter signal because that's what they yeah. do. You know, they, yeah. they just, it's in their nature to be ankle yeah. biters and counter signalers. You say, okay, that's enough. You're done. And then that's it. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. Close the yeah. door. Okay. So that's kind of my approach. Yeah. And then a demonstration perhaps of that person, because most of the people in the scene will see it happen. And then yeah. that's a sort of enforcement mechanism. I suppose yeah. you could also have uh, shit tests, which would probably remain uh, secret. Although you might, unless it's a general, general enough where you can't uh, uh, predict what it might be. Yeah. You know? Because you, you know, you do that in uh, women do that in, when you're trying to right. pick them up. They've got shit tests, right? Yeah. Little shit tests, uh, high value right. women have. I so, mean, we I mean, could, we, I know we could devise all sorts of strategies, like <laughs> yeah. you know, before you come into this uh, event, you got to be on camera, you know, saying yeah. certain things yeah. that may be compromising or something. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, like sort of a reverse um, yeah, what yeah, the uh, yeah. ruling elite do with like you've got to right. like, you got to take a massage from a fourteen year old. Yeah, yeah, like instead jokes. of uh, Epstein, you know, blackmailing people <laughs> with uh, diddling kids, we have people. We have to be ultra racist or something. Okay. Yeah, you have to. Do all, <laughs> We're going to give this over to the to Mossad, you know, if you uh, betray <laughs> yeah. us. <laughs> yeah perfect man perfect. but um wow. you know i think a lot of this stuff just happens so there's a couple things here one is a lot of this stuff happens organically you know group dynamics have a way of sorting themselves out yeah, that's true. and what precedes that again i i keep coming back to this is selecting the right people to mm. be the even in an informal capacity the kind of gatekeepers of this space yeah. and uh and that even that process is somewhat organic, some somewhat spontaneous. It's you know you look around like who have who has the biggest accounts, who are the people mm. who have like the the sort of uh, most influential voices, and and these are the people who kind of do that informal gatekeeping. So you know mm. I, I don't think we need to have like you know written down strategies for all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. It's just having the right state of mind the right approach, knowing your enemy. Okay. Yeah. Know yeah. your enemy, know their tactics. They're not that mm. clever. And the things mm. they've done in the past are precisely the things they're going to do. It's not like they're devising some new strategies to try to infiltrate these groups. It's going to be as simple as 
setting out like, you know, take their, their little like journalist lackeys who are getting paid a couple hundred bucks to write articles mm. for whatever, you know, shitty publication to uh, come yeah. to these events and write their little hit pieces and, you know, declare that everybody there is a X, Y, or Z thing that's supposed to uh, remove us from polite company. And then, you know, that's, that's their tactic. Okay. Mm. Is to try to silence people. And then there'll be all sorts of guilt by association and you already start to see this. Like I had a article in first things that came out first things mm. for those who don't know is this Tony sort of Catholic magazine yeah. that's been around for a while. And uh, they had the audacity to publish in a non. So <laughs> this is a really uh, big deal. Can I just, can I yeah, just want to uh, sure. say this up front that uh, Loma is getting published in this magazine is uh, I don't know how to explain how uh, it's very uh, uh, sort of, conservative old establishment in terms of you know it's a very uh i don't even know how to explain it it's it's like a hierarchical thing yeah. it just doesn't happen for theological ser very serious uh you know academic works right it's a very old high status thing in that in that yeah. area so it's a big deal for an anon and especially an anon that is on our, our side of things to uh to get published in that but yeah i just wanted to say that so people yeah it's, know it's it the is. kind of magazine that like you know a well-heeled uh you know sort of aristocrat you know american aristocrat <laughs> yeah. a lawyer doctor you know a, a conservative you'd sit around in precisely the kind of room that you have in your background there and yeah. uh you know that's, that's tweed the perfect jacket. metaphor Okay, yes. and he'd be yeah. sipping his scotch and reading Catholics in the his first magazine Catholic. okay by the fire <laughs> yes. And so that's yeah. the, yeah, that's the kind of aesthetic. And so, you know, it was, it was in, and I give a lot of credit to uh, Rusty Reno and Justin Lee, who was the editor who worked on that piece. Um, mm -hmm. And it helped me kind of massage it so that it fit the right tone for that audience. But almost immediately what you saw was mm -hmm. from even within that circle, uh, attacks uh, on yeah, both me right. and the magazine okay. that had absolutely nothing wow. to do with what was written in the article and even had nothing to do with me except for wow. who I was associating with. So yeah. virtually every one of these criticisms that were leveled against this article online would just mention BAP, okay? Yeah, yeah. As if, as if my mere association with BAP, whatever that even means, mm. uh, and it, however tenuous that might be, I mean, I love BAP mm. and, uh, you know, I, but um, it's not like we have like any kind of formal relationship. We're just yeah. existing yeah. the same There's online no code space. It says we, we have the yeah. same uh, priors in our. Anyway, right. Yeah. And so, but, but as if that's enough to sort of disqualify anything that I might say, and, mm. and it's meant to discourage someone like first things and, and an organization like yeah. first things from, giving us a platform and so this is this same thing is going to happen with the kind of books and art we produce which is yeah. these sort of regime lackeys these toadies you know again these sort of bug men yeah. whether they acknowledge it or not that's what they are they're they're doing mm. the work of of the regime mm. and even if the proximate reason is to guard their own self-interest you know they're mm. they're working their little uh small piece of conservative turf they don't want that yeah. getting taken over by someone like me okay and anon that's um 
that they can't stand that. They can't countenance that idea. So, so they go to work for the regime to sort of push us away. So that's the kind of tactics that we're going to face. And again, the, the thing is just know that no going in what this is going to look like, understand its effects and also Mm. in some ways how impotent it is, you know, for all the attacks on like BAP, for example, and some of it's very, it's all very petty. Uh, mm. It's not like it's done anything to hinder his sales or the growth of yeah, his but profile, you know? It's pro- one of the reasons why it's impotent, though, is because of the Friends Defense. There's a whole yeah. unofficial, unofficial Friends Defense network that probably, I mean, look, I'm just assuming here, but it, there's a Friends Defense network of yeah. all the systems that have come up that come along and go, Boom, when that attack happens and say, you know, they're getting millions of comments saying how wonderful the article is you did and saying right. how cringe and, you know, that the people are attacking it. Yeah. What would happen if that didn't happen? Right. What would happen? Would, would they win that if we didn't have an army of chads and frogs yeah. on the other side? Would, we, would that we'd not we'd lose that, wouldn't we? Because they'd be the only voices saying that, oh, this guy's so bad. And they'd listen to that, surely. Right. I think I think that's absolutely right, which is why, you know, for our for our side and I'm not the first to say this our sort of political virtue our 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 card the cardinal virtue for us is not belief in like x y or z ideological precept it's loyalty okay it's it's yeah, a kind yeah, okay. of schmidian um recognition of the friend enemy distinction and having a clear view, a clear-eyed view of who your friends are and who your enemies are. And mm. if you demonstrate that you are within that sort of friend network, as you said, then mm. yes, it's our, it, it is a kind of political obligation to come to the defense mm. of one another when those enemies level these sorts of attacks. Mm. And so long as that... Uh, is maintained and people sort of continue to operate in accordance with that sort of loyalty, uh, that, that virtue mm. of loyalty, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I, th- I think there's also a excellent, um, I mean, this is just unofficial, but I just spoke to, you know, Dave Green, uh, the distributist. Yeah. He's he has great. a really, really amazing, like yeah, yeah. yeah ama- he's got an amazing general just friends code that works yeah. would work for pagans would work for uh, Nietzscheans and Christians. It works across all of them. Right. Yeah. It's just very simple. And I spoke to him and he's saying, oh, yeah, he's going to do a video on it. Obviously it's a great Twitter thread that most people have seen, but yeah. I've returned to that thread. And it's a great inter principality. Cause it, we, like you mentioned, we've got multiple principalities here. So hopefully we can uh, develop more uh, sort of cross principality system things like that like that thread of friend friendly behavior yes um and then we can all have expectations of what that will be across the principalities yes um just basic moral behaviors but also systems i know distribute uh disgrace propagandists and i i've we've talked about this is that uh building up a structure across these things uh i don't know how official it needs to be but passage is part of that i'm sure you get all sorts of christians pagans all sorts of sure. people on our side applying yeah. for stuff but if we can do that and slowly it will emerge if, if we just keep talking and we keep working together. Um, and yeah, an important thing is too, is these awards and rewards. So first point is that cross principality thing. The second point is that uh, we need a sort of hierarchy, don't we? We need a hierarchy and award systems 
because awards are they incentivize action because that's what this is passage press probably one I, only one i know of such a high amount uh -huh. um doing this every week that's what the oscars were there are yeah. a certain mechanism for the establishment of uh you know, uh, not an aristocracy, but you you lift people up. It's a lift. The king is supposed to do that. The king yeah, of England is supposed right. to, right? Is that you imbue something with energy, uh, lift it up, and then that's just it's got this positive feedback loop. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I have I I want to touch on both these. I think these are both really important points. Um, I uh, you know, we're doing this Nick Land book coming up probably that'll that'll come in the fall so i've been rereading a bunch of nick land stuff and <clears throat> pardon me i don't know how familiar you are with uh, nick land's work but yeah he's probably it's looking like he's going to come on the show so oh that, i'm glad yeah. that he's he's doing your book that's excellent because i was wondering if that was going to come come about i was gonna i was gonna uh if if he comes on and it's looking like it's going to happen I was going to say, hey, speak to Lomas. They want to publish your thing. But it seems like you've already arranged yeah, it. Yeah. I heard and you on Oron's show talking about it. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, it really was as simple as just me tweeting to him about it. And he said yes. And oh, that right. was it. And so yeah. we had an email exchange where we sort of uh, figured out the details and formalized everything. But yeah, it's, it's happening. Um, Epic, man. That's and great. yeah, I'm really excited about that. And one thing, one thing he says in, in Zeno Systems in, uh, this was true of the event last night. It really is a kind of cross-section of all sorts of people. This, this mm. sort of whatever it is, reaction, okay, that, that, is, that is brewing. Um, and it's, you know, Curtis was on stage, you know, self-identified as like a Reddit atheist. And then you <laughs> have like a kind of like trad cath, you know, uh, domestic housewife, uh, peachy Keenan yeah. and you have, you know, uh, pussy slayer, delicious tacos. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it's a really sort of broad cross section yeah. of, of yeah. people. And so the, again, and I was alluding what to this fun. earlier, the yeah. question is what binds this sort yeah. of selection of people. And it's, you know, in the getting back to Nick land, he covers this in Zeno systems. And I actually happen mm -hmm. to have this this quote in front of me is, I'm, it's very brief. Yeah. I'm just going to read these few Great. sentences. No, please, please. Perfect. Uh, so he says, he writes from crypto fascists, theonomists and romantic royalists to jaded classical liberals and hardcore constitutionalists. The reaction contains an entire ideological cosmos within itself. Mm. Hostility to coercive egalitarianism and a sense mm. that Western civilization is going to hell will probably mm. suffice to get you into the club. Okay. Yeah. So, there's where we're and, and we have to be again also realistic about where we are in this timeline of potential change and what is realistic for us to accomplish within this small window of time in which we have to work on this problem and for the time that we have to work on this problem that definition of who gets to participate in our sort of friend network. Yeah. It is enough that you simply want to uh, sort of engage in this path breaking. Okay. This, mm. this sort of a uh, cultural, social and political path breaking because, mm. because the path that we're on mm. is destructive. It's harmful. It's degrading. Mm. It's demoralizing. It's, mm. it's spiritually vacant. Okay. Whatever mm. it is. That's that, the big thing. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, for some people, that's the big thing. I mean, for me personally, that's, mm. that's where it comes in. It's this, it's enervating okay it's sort of yes it 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 sort of belittles you it's uh it it makes you small or it it, it attempts to mm. sort of makes you small and makes the sort of the the, the horizons of possibility uh sort yes. of shrink yeah the decision uh, space shrinks and being and, dies and yeah, yeah literally right because yeah. i mean literally it's trying to you know how far out you can think about yourself and your kids. It wants to shrink mm. that all down mm. into just the, this, this series of like hedonistic moments. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm getting a little carried away here. So no, it's all true. Yeah. The audience gets it, man. They're, they're, all right. they're, they're like, and so, so, okay, so it's, it's sufficient that you are, you want to break from that path. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so what, what comes out of that, like a generation down the line, Okay, my kids will figure that out or some, you know, mm. but that's not our problem. Our problem yeah. right now and what we're working on now is collecting the right people with the right yeah. kinds of energy and attitude. Yeah, energy. Yes. We can throw that spear through the wall, okay, to get back yes. to that yeah. earlier metaphor. So so that's what we're uh that's how I see what what was your the phrase the poly uh uh something what was your phrase to describe this just a minute ago i can't even remember right. but I, I would say that there is a certain quality that certain because i'm recruiting people into a, a, a sort of private um fellowship at the moment i pick people that you'd know that uh, yeah. uh you know have large audiences um there's certain people that i wouldn't pick that have large audiences yeah. there's certain quality to certain people that have this uh glistening energy ren rorag nationalist is yeah. one of them he's got this positive yes. powerful vitality it's not backbiting. It's not, and that's what we need to recruit right. for, right? And that, and it's the gathering of the gathering of the fellowship. It's the gathering of uh, people yeah. of the right spirit of nobility. It's a noble spirit. That's it's a right. noble spirit is what it is. You know what's um, consistent? But still, yeah. Sorry, I'm go. You oh, I was just going to say that that they 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 those people can be transgressive. We want that. It's cool, yeah. right? But yeah. you can look through the uh, transgression to a noble spirit you see it with someone still right yeah. i think curtis has a noble spirit yes. there's a reason why he cried when you know when he, when he gave that speech you know the one that peter Thiel was at yes because he made the sacrifice and they and he knew that was going to happen that's a noble spirit that does yeah. something like that so you know, absolutely you know and um there <laughs> is something about all these people you mentioned there's yeah. a certain uh yeah this noble sort of aristocratic spirit and mm. what's consistent one salient quality that all these people have ren with man's world bab mm. from mm. the time mm. he was like a you know five thousand person account they mm. would constantly be like promoting smaller accounts yes you know reaching down and yes. uh lifting up like bab there's so many stories about you know people say like when i was like i had like 10 followers and bap like retweeted something and followed me and it was like Yes. The first time any of my ideas had ever been heard and what Rand does with, with man's world, um, you know, the, how he publishes people who come to him and he's very generous. I mean, he's the yes. judge, he's the nonfiction judge for, mm. uh, for passage this year. And I'm, I feel incredibly grateful that he was willing to do it. He's got yeah. this incredibly sort of charitable spirit. And you know, what's interesting about this, it has nothing to do with the kind of egalitarian ethos that that dominates the left as if 
merely by sort of reaching down and lifting these people up, you can make everyone equal. No, that's not what's no, no. going on. It's based they're, on virtue. It, it's they've virtue, seen virtue also, in the people below him. Sorry, jump in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's also that even, you know, lifting these people out and, you know, giving them a chance to sort of like mm. uh, have a voice um, doesn't guarantee anything, doesn't guarantee yeah, a sort exactly. of a quality of value. It's merely that, you know, there's, it's, it's providing this possibility for yes, this person to enter the hierarchy wherever they yes. belong. Okay. It's liminal space. Yeah, it's Robin yeah. Hood. Robin Hood was an archetype for that. The yeoman yeah. was that. We made the big mistake when we made it egalitarian. But Robin Hood is a, is a, a way of people uh, showing that they have virtue and therefore yes. can handle having a recruitment of people under them, right? When yes. you're powerful enough in your self-discipline, you can rise to a higher order. You're basically a higher order being when yeah. you are a yeoman and Robin Hood, and then you can enter the hierarchy, right? So it's not egalitarian at all. It's looking yeah. for that nobility that are down there. And that's what actually keeps a proper hierarchy and aristocracy, whatever it is, uh, keeps it uh, intact in, in, in at all. It, it, yeah. It's drawing up the, spirit, the noble spirits and sorting them into the Brahmins or the, the rulers, right. you know, the priests or the rulers, the artists or the artisans. That's how yeah. it uh, is supposed to work. At least that's what England got so right before the revolutions, yeah. before they went out to America. Well, actually, the Cavaliers <laughs> understood it very well. That's, I'm not going to bag out Americans here. The Virginians okay. really got it. It's just the stuff that, that uh, happened. The other stuff the Virginians got up to that, unfortunately, that's become a taboo. But yeah, they really I did mean, understand that. They did. Um, they seemed to understand it. And there may be <laughs> some window of time in which under like a kind of democracy or democratic republic or you know mm. where you can maintain that kind of spirit you know that sort of true nobility and aristocratic spirit but it inevitably devolves yeah so we're we're at the you know tail end of that but um you know well, I, but yeah go i was just gonna go. say that that talent point lifting point i mentioned that earlier as well yeah. is that that's what a lot of these people that came up in the sort of conservative wave perhaps don't get that, that that's such an important part of the community is having that as a mechanism it actually reinforces and i actually taught people this i taught uh, carl benjamin this uh -huh. when I, uh, before he started that lotus eaters <laughs> thing is that you have to have people on with yeah. you right you have to create a hierarchy and look he did exactly that and i told him that yeah, yeah. and read peter teal's book right but the point is that it's creating a community uh, ladder for other people in the community say oh look there's a way here there's a prize i can enter to be lifted but also it's it makes you stronger but i still think there's a lot of people that have this legacy clouds yes. right this legacy numbers who who basically are getting the same eyes on their content we're seeing our guys get 500,000 yeah. million views on their tweets and these right. old legacy accounts are getting no more than that and they've got millions of followers and i think cuz they they want to hold on to that they don't want yeah. to lift people up and retweet them and do that sort of thing because they know that their ideas are actually better you know that or they're or right that and or, well not all of them but yeah i think it's important reminder for the people that have these audiences yeah. that perhaps got in early that that's what they should have been doing the whole time not just placing themselves above people based on clout not virtue because uh, a true aristocracy must be uh, uh, virtuous and, it, and I mean, when I meet, when I say virtue, I don't mean some sort of signaling of uh, piety. I mean, powerful. I yes. mean, a power of uh, intellect, a power of uh, virtue practices. Virtue is something you build up in your body. It's a, it's a real thing, a real resource. Yeah, I think uh, what, what you're observing there 
is these legacy accounts um, are operating within the status quo ante. Okay. They're, they're operating from within the longhouse and inside the longhouse, mm-hmm. there's one little, you know, 10 by 10 room where the conservatives get to hang out. And in yeah. that little 10 by 10 room, there's 20 chairs and you can only fit 20 chairs in there or whatever it is. And so there's only room for those 20 guys. And anytime they might lift some new person up, that's a threat to their chair, to their seat in the long house conservative room. So what we're doing, which is different is again, this, there's this kind of path breaking. We're not Mm. operating within that frame. What we're trying to do is build out this new sort of ecosystem, this new place, this Mm. new architecture and we don't. We have an indeterminate amount of space here. We have an indeterminate amount of chairs to give out. Uh, we're yeah. Not there, there isn't this zero sum kind of uh, uh, sort of antagonism between who gets to sit where. Okay. In this. yes, but there is a zero sum based on time, right? Okay, so yeah. it's really an incentive for people yes. to. I mean, you know what I mean. Not space, yes. but time, as in. You've got limited time to be a part of a movement when it's emerging. Yeah. And now it's happening. So this is an incentive for all the artists that are sitting on the on the on the on the chair on the edge of the chair or whatever it is, or people to put money in to be part of the scene, not just artists, because there's a hierarchy that can emerge for all sorts of things, right? Yes. Is to email people, get active, email passage passage publishing, email me, whatever yeah. it is, how you might want to help or something, or just do it first. Because a lot of people yeah. think. I'm not going to do anything until it's approved. Just do the work and then send it. Say, look what I've done for you. That's what I did in the film industry when I was coming up with all that stuff. I do that all the time and I do it now still. You do the work and then send it. People go, wow, he's already done this thing. So that's that's one thing. Yeah, demonstrate Um, your value, right? Don't wait for someone to tell you it's like you said, to give you permission to do the thing that you feel you want to do or, uh, you know, to to have a kind of role that you feel like you might be entitled to have. Demonstrate your value in, in beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing I would say, because my audience uh, is has a lot of people that are from the popular space. They might not know what Longhouse is. You might as well, if you're okay with, can you do yeah. that from your, because you did an article on this. Might as well explain that. Yeah. So this well in that. this was the article. subject of the uh, first things article that I, that we were alluding to previously um, in which uh, the, the title of it is What is the Longhouse? So you can get the long form version just by Googling that. It'll come up. This is, in fact, a, a phrase oh. that I borrowed from BAP. Uh, and the Longhouse was used in uh, Bronze Age mindset as a kind of uh, metonym, as a kind of shorthand for a, uh, a kind of feminist. That's not precisely right, but a kind of... Um, a kind of prevailing sort of cultural architecture that is based on feminine needs, wants, desires, mm. feminine social organization, the particular ways that uh, women um, uh, create status and mm. uh, punish dissent. And, you know, there's, there's a whole sort of literature, like sociological literature on this um, that actually does sort of bear on when you look at, for example, like our free speech regime and how uh, people who dissent from these sort of speech codes are quote unquote canceled. 
they're sort of being mm. kicked out of the sewing circle, uh, yeah. the, the kind of gossip circle. And, you know, uh, in feminine spaces, there's a greater emphasis on, um, you know, safety and uh, mm. feeling good and acceptance that mm. those, those sorts of uh, virtues take, take precedent over things like truth, mm. over things like risk-taking, uh, yeah. for example. Okay, so there's, there's all sorts of ways that uh, we can observe in our culture, in our political space, this kind of predominance of feminine modes of being and um, what this what this article attempts to do really is just describe this and give it a name, mm-hmm. so that when people see it, they can call it out. And so that was the that was the purpose of this article. And of course, I think yeah. that this longhouse, the sort of feminization of our culture, really like HRization. Anybody who's been inside of a big company observes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how HR dictates the kinds of things you can say, how you can interact yeah. with, you know, your colleagues and the kind of constraints on those interactions and what you're allowed to do. Um, yeah. It's a cult yeah, of gonna... safety, you know, that goes along with it. So it's this constellation of forces mm. anyway, to just wrap up that I think describes our current social circumstances and explains why we may be stuck in the particular ways that we are that we are stuck we we seem to be devolving culturally mm. technologically um mm. or or if not devolving our tech that is created is being sort of perverted in particular yeah. ways and uh so you know you see something like gpt and the ways that it's you know, its outputs are very mm. carefully constrained around, mm. uh, you know, certain yeah. sensibilities around like, um, you know, these, these, uh, again, I'll just use this term because we all understand it, these sort of woke precepts, you know, G- yeah. GPT, whether something is true or not, is not allowed to step outside of those boundaries. Okay, so that's, yeah. that's the longhouse. And I think I think a way of seeing it, even just symbolically looking at what a longhouse is and the, the audience just saw the image I brought up there of what a longhouse looks like is that it's a sort of a place to hoard all the resources. Right. Yeah. So everyone's stuck inside it and essentially it feeds off itself. So what a hero does, a masculine hero does is go outside the thing. Yeah. And what you find with a longhouse is that it, everyone is sort of stuck inside it and it's ordered by a matriarch that's uh, you know at the top of this thing. And it feeds off itself, essentially, yeah. uh, and everything inside the walls, whereas the heroic spirit and almost the opposite of that is the Chad court, right? Yeah. The old court, that sort of uh, heroic court where Arthur's at the top of it. And uh-huh. we're so far gone from this, right? I'm not saying we, we could bring it back necessarily unless we took completely revolutionary to take it over. But the Chad court, it has a heroic male at the top of it. And the hero is an extension of him, right? Yeah. There's a, the, the chaos comes in like Gawain and the Green Knight. Chaos uh, comes in. Uh, challenges the court, and then Arthur doesn't need to uh, uh, present himself as the top dog. He lets other heroes, because they're his extension in the realm, whereas right. the mother would say, no, you don't speak out. You say what <laughs> I want you to say, yeah. right? That's Everybody what the great mother would do. Yeah. That's right. Whereas Arthur says no, he allows his uh, knights to step up, because he yeah. knows they are him. They've got the Imperium within, as Avola talks about with the Frankish lords. They don't need top-down government. They've already got the Imperium within. You see that in the Green Knight, in the Chad Court. Goes out, 
and does the whole journey of the Green Knight and comes back with the, uh, you know, the potion, comes back to the village yeah. uh, with a potion. That's gone now, though. That's been slayed by this gynocentric uh, culture. Even chat GPT itself is a longhouse in that it's yeah. sucked up all the cultural energy in its algorithm, right? It's sucked up all the stuff that's been done previously. So it's always in the cert of something that's the knownness. It's not seeking into the unknown right. uh, like a hero does and what a human's necessary to do. It's all this. We already have an AI, even though it's not AI. Yeah. Civilization is an AI. It's just using what uh, the hyper agents that already exist. Um, uh, and, put, and, and Curtis Yarvin actually had a great article on that and what it really is, a language learning model. Yep. Um, but yeah, the fact is, it is really, even without the woke stuff, in a sense, it is a bit long-housey, long but it probably will lead to innovations, though, a great research tool once it's connected to the internet. Because think about that. Even though at the moment it just tells you what you want to hear, um, if you can look up anything a politician says, it can instantly just search across its entire database for it. Find me the three, uh, five coronations that, uh, where was the oil consecrated for the last five coronations? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I did. I asked it, but of course, it's just giving me what I want to hear. It's not true. Yeah. But uh, I asked it that to see, because um, I wanted to see why was it in Jerusalem? Because they're supposed to do it in England, right? Consecrate yeah. the oil in the holy land of the English. And uh, in an, it listed a bunch of bullshit examples, of it, which I ended up <laughs> posting like an idiot. And I deleted it quickly when I found out. Because it just tells you what you want to hear, right? Uh -huh. um, but yeah, in the future, when it's connected to the internet, um, you can see how that would be really powerful for politicians. But anyway, I digress on that. Well, no, I think this is an important point that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly agnostic on like the general AI question. I mean, it's, it's mm. a little sort of beyond my ken. But um, when it comes to, to sort of art and creation, I think you've hit on something interesting, which is that by its nature, it cannot reach into the unknown. It cannot step mm, out yes. into the dark of yeah. a discovery and bring back something new. It can only take the kind of materials that, that, are, uh, that, that are fed to it and yeah. try to like reconfigure those materials in some new way, certainly. But um, in the sense that, that creation, that, that, uh, that art, for example um is deriving idea belief aesthetic beauty out yes. from this kind of primordial you know yes, nothingness a priori yes uh the yes. gpt can't duplicate that and so i i at least as of now i don't fear for example like so there's this kind of no. generic fear that gpt then takes over all of life like all mm. of human enterprise is subsumed by the sort of uh, capacity of GPT, the sort of computing capacity of GPT. I don't quite believe that. I'm not convinced of that no. yet because it seems to me that there are certain domains of human activity and art is at the forefront of that. Certainly. Yeah. Well, maybe most significantly is like other human creation, having kids, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, art as a kind of pale substitute of that is something that GPT can never duplicate. Yeah, uh, it's it's only being can gift itself. It's uh -huh. not being only being. Uh, only if you are in. I know this is going to sound a bit hoity toity, but in a, a bit of Heideggerian, uh, in a waiting silence, can being mm -hmm. reveal itself and show you and clear it from the unknown. And again, audience, 
listening is that you've had that too when you've been out in some nature landscape. Yeah. Uh, when you've been out somewhere, you've got you had a sense of an attunement. Just think about it. That's the val- That's the sacred value. There's something there, and you follow that. I just mean follow it intellectually. Like you follow it with your uh, intentionality. You're like, what is that? And it reveals some some awe. You've had awe. Most people have had awe. Yes. That is being speaking. That's being yes. speaking. And then that opens things. And you have to ask yourself, where do these, you know, when you have these ideas, where do they come from? They're not just, oh, it's in the brain. It's from being. Yeah. All that we ever know are being brought in. They're being, we're both. We know from uh, quantum mechanics and cognitive scientists that cognitive science that your being reaches out. It's not the Kantian thing where it's just cut off is, is, is wrong, right? It, 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 you, I'm speaking to you, my being's reaching out to you. It's a, yeah. We've got a wee space going on here, right? Uh-huh. So the, it can't do that. It's not connected uh, to that. And even so, it's just a language learning model. It's not even intelligence. It's just a marketing gimmick, the, calling it yeah. AI. At the moment, I'm not saying it's not impossible. If they build a hard thing that's like us, that would be possible. And there's a great philosopher called um, Bernardo Katzdrop. I'm not saying he's one of our guys, but he's a great uh, idealist. He's a, a computer scientist, philosopher. He talks about this. He says it's probably possible, but they're going to just look like us. The robot will just be like us, right? Yeah. With the same limitations and the same this. That's how you might be able to do it. But it's not going to look like what they're doing with the supercomputers. But yeah, <clears throat> that's, that's pretty much about everything I uh, uh, had. We're sort of coming to a close here, man. Is there any, anything else you wanted to uh, bring up or talk about or promote? Um, I mean, I suppose I could just uh, let me just briefly... Uh... Let your audience know if they're interested, you know, we, we discuss like, you know, send us stuff. Okay. So here's, here's a couple of things. Um, I mean, certainly I'd love for you to buy our books. Currently we only have one book available for, for sale. We've sold out of everything else so far. So there's uh hard covers of uh, unqualified reservations are still available. They were running pretty low on those. Um, those are selling fast. Um, we have, we're in the production stage for the second passage book. And uh, the passage book is a anthology of all the best work we received for this contest. So the first passage book sold out uh, the second passage book. We are, we are in the process of making right now. And we got some really incredible stuff for it. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very excited for that. That should be available probably not until the summer for sale. The pre-sales will, will begin probably in the next month, I would suspect. And again, I mean, uh, not just to sort of uh, to market this, but we did sell out of those fairly fast. And so I would mm. recommend if people are interested in buying it, you order it on presale. Um, the other thing too is, you know, we're looking for new content. We have a pipeline of books that, you know, we're working on over the next 12 months or so. And it's it's still a relatively small operation. So you know, we can't scale as quickly as like a big publishing house. We can only kind of do one book at a time. And actually we like it that way. Um, mm. But if you have, if you have a novel or a short stories, you know, that you've been working on, or, you know, maybe you're a working writer who's stuck uh, in that mm. other sort of legacy space and it's dissatisfying, it's too constraining. You know, you've mm. had this manuscript that you've wanted to publish, but you know that again, it's, the wrong kind of ideas written from the wrong sort of demographic perspective or whatever. Um, you know, we're, we're open to looking at that. We're, we're taking manuscripts. Um, and so that's where we're at. Feel free to, uh, to reach out. Um, 
Yeah. Lomez at passage.press, you know, DM on Twitter, uh, follow us on Twitter at our passage press account. Um, join the mailing and, list, you know, yeah. whatever it is. That's, that's kind of where we're at. And participate everyone on Twitter, be a part of yeah. the emerging scene, go to the events and enter the hierarchy. It's going to, yeah. you know, it takes work to be a part of it. It's not, you know, that's like anything. Um, yeah. But, you know, start tweeting at people, start participating in memes, whatever it might be. So many people have done this. Think about Astral, someone that you yeah. brought into your hierarchy, right? Absolutely. Astral yeah. says someone is just, a, you know, an anon that came up with great yeah. memes and excellent content. And now he's, you know, Lomas's uh, secondhand guy, you know, guy. You guys well, yeah, I mean, together. That, that's well, a great example. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to. No, no, sorry. I'm cutting you off, man. I, that's not you. That's me. But uh, you, you I just, I just meant not to speak for I, you. I don't want to say he's your right hand man if he's not. But sorry. No, no. Me. It's all, Well, no. So Astro's been incredible. And, and this is like, yeah. he came to me and he said, look, I have this idea. You know, he's a uh, big fan of Curtis Yarvin's work. He'd read through yeah. Unqualified Reservations. He knew we were coming up this, with this book. He said, let me run a, like, we'll do these weekly like reading group spaces. Yeah. It's a great, yeah. You know, it's like he has this idea, he presents it, he uh, he put together. Yeah. So then he said, I'll tweet about it. And within 24 hours, that uh, DM chat was maxed out. We couldn't fit any more people mm -hmm. in it. I saw, you know, the last space I think was actually last night. Um, there were like a thousand people uh, viewing that space. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like there, there's, um, there is potential for, you know, sort of community building. I mean, I hate that phrase. Yeah. It reminds me of the old kind of world I used to participate scene in. Building. But, but yeah, scene but I mean, like, look, um, it, it is, yeah. this isn't just, um, you know, charismatic individuals doing their own thing independently of each yeah. other. There's a, there's a sense in which the sum is greater than, you know. Uh, yes. Uh, distributed cognition that's what yeah. we need it is always principalities have to form you're not going to win without a principality you need an energy and a, even you need great when you have great people that have a, have a great uh work they actually form a kind of hyper agent themselves right yeah bap's probably one of them uh that people start have a bap mentality right yes um and so you have this, that actually is a hyper agent. If it's powerful enough, it becomes a meme in itself. It becomes a, it memes even talking down, it down too much. It's actually an organism. Um, yeah. If it's done properly. And um, uh, you know, but I think what, it, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm going to say, I just, you know, I'm jumping in here again, but um, that's fine. Yeah. The, the one thing too is again, it's uh, it's, it kind of takes all kinds at this stage, mm. you know, keep in mind this sort of, big tent that that is operating in this space and that's okay um because a none of us really knows what comes next or how to that's effectuate right. no, that it looks change. like it does <laughs> and yeah we want to like you know uh you, you got to press on all of the different points and yeah. and figure out where the weaknesses are and and it takes mm. different people with different strategies to yeah, sort of test skills. out where those points of vulnerability are and you know yeah. something like with bap uh or any of these other accounts who mm. you know I, I i have this conversation with like uh i have i have some very good friends who are like catholic you know uh trad cast or they're in that faction of this thing mm. and um they get upset at times with like bap or zero you know for saying certain things here and there and I just, what I, what I say is like, A, there's no 
ever advantage in doing this like disavow because you know they're saying oh you know these people want me to disavow and like with something that BAP said or something that zero said or whatever there's zero advantage that comes out of that kind of disavowal playing those games and you gotta and, and you gotta remember what we're doing is like this is path breaking again it, it and and you gotta ask like who are the people not the individual ideas but who are the people who are engaged in this kind of path productive path breaking and yeah. who are the people who are pulling yeah. you back into the longhouse yeah like, yeah who's got the leash uh or you know the hook that's pulling you back and yeah anybody who's uh sort of exerting that backward yeah. pull are people that should not be trusted people who are doing yeah. path breaking even that, in yeah. the occasion that it, you find it sort of offensive or insensitive or whatever, mm. or even counterproductive, maybe um, mm. that's like part of this, that that's, that's inevitable uh, given the sort of project that we're engaged in. Yeah. I, I think too, is it, there's enough already. I get emails. I've had emails from grubby little emails from really yeah. resentful so people, right? Oh. There's already enough of that that don't do it on Twitter. Don't count a yeah. signal. And do it on Twitter, unless it's something really bad. Because some people, uh, I guess it's, you know, they're posting something and you know it's just, oh, hang on. They, but the thing is, it's better to do that in DMs. And if they just ignore you then, then yeah. perhaps you can, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I've just had some grubby, really, just so, some people that just sit at home that are so resentful. And they've just spent, I don't know, a week thinking of the most, like, rude uh, <laughs> thing to try to get under your skin to say. Yeah. And it's like, man, you know... <laughs> You're not firstly, you're not going to overcome all the positive comments for one. Yeah, yeah. It, it did annoy me when I got this one particular email, but very quickly that was gone because there's just so much more positivity there. Just, yeah. It's like, but, but yeah, but there's enough of that going on that we don't want people coming in and sort of counter signaling. You want people to have this positive Ren energy. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, That's right. and there's a lot of energy in the space at the moment for people to join. But I do want to reiterate that um, it is important to, uh, like, Astral already had a reasonably sized uh, audience, right? You want to yep. build up a bit. Um, but if you did have a smaller one and you actually did something in advance and had talked to the writers and then messaged Lomez after you've yep. done it, you know what I mean? It's that doing the work first. Yep. Uh, and Gavin McInnes has actually talked about this, that people would email him all the time saying, oh, I want to do this. Well, just write the article first, then yep. send it, you know? Yep. Do the work first. You just have to invest the time. You have to get this mentality of, I'll put the work in, yeah, and there are other ways to join the scene. Some people have, have wealth that they can, you know, contribute. Absolutely. Other people have yeah. time that they can contribute. Do a bit of work first, demonstrate something, then send it in. Uh, but yeah, there's, you know, lots of things are emerging. This has been a great talk, dude. Um, yeah, I really for, enjoyed uh, it as well, on. man. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, come on again in the future when you've got other things coming up. And there'll yeah, be I other subjects that. we can talk on because this has just been an introduction to the general uh, work that you do and the and the you know the energy and the movement, but it's very exciting, man. This the stuff you've got going on, especially yeah. this live event. I, I look forward to being able to attend one and see you guys in person. Get you know get some drinks. Absolutely, uh, I'd love that. And smoke keep the cool, cigs, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll smoke cigars, man. I used to be a Good cigarette enough. smoker. I can't. I can't go back. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right, man. man. God bless. I hope you enjoy that, everyone. And uh, right. God save the king spirit, as I say. Yeah, this was great. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it.